On today's episode of District Divided, oof, that game against the Carolina Panthers was absolutely awful. Might have even been the worst game of our season. I talk about that game a little bit, including Dwayne Haskins, who is no longer with the storied franchise. Then get into the State of the Union, where we talk about the Washington Wizards. What is going on over there? Talk about the Maryland Terrapins and Georgetown Hoyas as well. And the Washington Spirit and Washington Capitals, a little more off the field, off the ice stuff. And then we conclude with the preview of the mega matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday night. The stage was set. The New York Giants lost to the Baltimore Ravens 27-13 this past Sunday, setting us up with a win and in against the 4-10 Carolina Panthers that had absolutely nothing to play for. It was all in front of us, there for the taking. 4.05 p.m. kickoff time this past Sunday, we knew the stakes. An NFC East division crown in a season where we thought we were rebuilding. And we could not have played any worse in that game. Dwayne Haskins got the start at quarterback for the team with Alex Smith out due to the strained calf. And he turned the ball over three times, going 14 of 28 for 154 yards, two interceptions, and yes, one debatable fumble. I honestly thought it was an incomplete pass. I believe all of you thought it was an incomplete pass as well. The refs had a bad game. We'll get into that in a little bit. But the reality of the situation is 14 to 28 for 154 yards is not good. Add on two interceptions, not good. Dwayne Haskins got released the very next day, ending his time with our storied franchise. Dwayne, you have a lot of talent. I did film breakdowns of you last season. It's there. I just hope that you get your head screwed on right and that you are able to use that talent to go on and have a successful career. So to you, Dwayne Haskins, I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Back to this game, he made way for Taylor Heineke with around nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. We were down 20-6 to six at this point. And Heineke actually looked pretty damn sharp out there. He went 12-19 of 19 for 137 yards and a touchdown. And it could have been two touchdowns if Cam Sims had reeled in a very catchable ball. But this all essentially came in a too little, too late type atmosphere. There were nine minutes left. There were little glimmers of hope. But it was just too much to do in that amount of time. The damage was done by halftime. The score at halftime was 20 to 3. It was essentially curtains. The final score was 20 to 13. Now, on the referees, they were bad. We had that debatable fumble. We had the other situation where it was a fumble clear as day with the whistle being blown after to talk about forward progress being stopped. We returned that for a touchdown. Does that actually result in a touchdown? Robbie Anderson stopped running. He could have tackled him. I don't know. But it was certainly a fumble, and it could have been a game-changing play. But that's life. That's football. Sometimes that happens. 
we did more damage than the refs did. And that's the reality of the situation. On special teams, a place you should never lose the game, Steven Sims Jr. had a brutal muffed punt that rolled into the end zone for the Panthers to recover. And that resulted in the first six points of the game. So brutal might be an understatement. You can pick any word you want to there and it fits because that could not have gone worse. The defense started off the game playing lights out and our offense started probably around the time Taylor Heineke came into the game for us. That's how bad the offense was and special teams did not do us any favors because the defense would have continued to play lights out. I am sure of it, but when the game changes like that, and Carolina's up 6-0, they can do a lot more on offense. You start buying that run, you start buying that play action, becomes a lot easier, and it did. Again, the score at halftime was 20-3. to That is because of that muff punt. These little things add up. Dwayne Haskins was bad. We talked about that. The refs were bad. We talked about that. None of that matters now. All that matters is one game. This Sunday night, we go to Philadelphia for a shot at the division. Once again, we are playing a team that has nothing to play for. The Eagles are officially eliminated from the NFC East race. They lost last week to Dallas by 20. Win and in. It is that simple. We don't need help from any other team. It is all there in front of us. We are in charge of our own playoff destiny here. Can we do it? We get into that at the very end of the show. Right now, it's time for your State of the Union, your DC Sports Wraparound Coverage segment. If you think the Washington football team has been bad, wait till you hear about the Washington Wizards. This past week, they went 0-3. A 130-120 loss to Orlando on Saturday, followed by a 120-113 loss to Orlando on Sunday. Russell Westbrook played in the first one. He had 15 points, 15 rebounds, and 12 assists. Another triple-double for him. And Bradley Beal led all scorers with 39 points. Now, Westbrook was rested for the game on Sunday. Scott Brooks does not want him playing back-to-backs to preserve his body. And through three quarters, we were great. We're up 17 entering the fourth quarter, and we end up losing by seven points. An absolutely demoralizing loss. Beal again led us in scoring with 29 in this one, and this bad loss, that energy seemed to carry over because we hosted 0-3 Chicago on Tuesday, and we end up losing 115-107. to I was very confident we'd take this one, but it was one of the sloppiest games of basketball I've ever seen from this Wizards team. Russell Westbrook was back for this one, 21 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, the only starter with a positive plus minus, and he's the only player with a positive plus minus through all three games, if you believe in that. I'm starting to. Three triple doubles and three games played for Russ this season. He's been great. Bradley Beal, 29 points again to lead all scorers, and clearly something isn't working so far. Our stars are doing pretty well, but something's off. Russ actually had an Instagram post where he tagged all his teammates with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Quote, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. End quote. 
Folks, we are 0-4. There are 68 games still left to be played, and here we are quoting Dr. Martin Luther King. Should he have done this over Instagram? It's debatable, but clearly something needs to be done. Let's see how the team responds. Now, the team does get some excellent news. Rui Hachimura, last year's first round pick, who has missed the first four games of the season, he is back for today's rematch against the Chicago Bulls, which brings us to this week's schedule. Four games, once again, today at 5 p.m. against the Chicago Bulls, tomorrow at 9 p.m. at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Westbrook is unlikely to play in that one since it's a back-to-back. Then Sunday at 6 p.m. against the Brooklyn Nets and Wednesday at 7 p.m. against the Philadelphia 76ers. Three out of those four games on the road. All games except for the Brooklyn Nets game can be seen on NBC Sports Washington. The Wizards Nets game can be seen on NBA TV. From pro to college, the Maryland Terrapins were 1-1 this past week and it was an eventful week. On Christmas Day, they lost to Purdue 73-70. Sophomore Dante Scott led a balanced effort from the Terps with 15 points, but then they rebounded. A big win over number 6 Wisconsin, 70-64. The game was in Wisconsin as well. Eric Ayala led the way with 17 points in that game. Both games saw the Terps outscore their opponents by 10 points in the second half. This team knows how to finish strong. Huge, huge win for your Maryland Terrapins. Once again, number six, Wisconsin. Awesome stuff. Up next, tonight against Michigan, number 16, Michigan, at 8 p.m. The game can be seen on ESPN. And then Monday at Indiana at 8 p.m. The game can be seen on the Big Ten Network. But tonight, let's see if they can take down another ranked opponent. From Maryland to D.C., Georgetown basketball. No games last week. They were supposed to play against Creighton yesterday, but the game got postponed. Up next this week, Saturday against Marquette at 7.30 p.m. You can see that game on CBS Sports Network. And then Wednesday at Butler at 7 p.m. And the Butler game will be on FS1. From the hardwood to the ice, the Washington Capitals, their starting goalie, or should have been starting goalie, Henrik Lundqvist, is set to undergo open heart surgery. We wish him a successful surgery and speedy recovery. Then, Sedino Chara, legendary NHL defenseman, is joining the Caps on a one-year $795,000 deal. And this is pretty big. Chara is 43 years old. He was let go by the Boston Bruins after 14 seasons there and was captain for all 14 of them. Leadership. It matters. He's six foot nine for those unfamiliar with him, so he's a big body, which explains the nickname he also goes by. Big Z. Welcome to DC's the Dino Chara. And finally, the Washington Spirit. They've got a new member of the ownership group, Michelle Kang. She's the founder and CEO of Cognizante, a health and IT company based in Annandale, Virginia. Welcome to the Spirit, Michelle. She seems like she's a huge soccer fan and wants to be involved. So it's great when you get people like that. That will conclude this week's State of the Union. And now it's a big, big preview of the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. No NFC East standings update this week because it's a very simple scenario for your Washington football team. Win and we're in. Lose and the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game advances. And in the insane scenario, we all tie, then we are in. But that's not going to happen. So win and we're in, lose and we're out. That simple. 
the Philadelphia Eagles are a very different team than the one we first faced in week one. Carson Wentz is no longer the quarterback. It is now Jalen Hurts, their second round pick this year out of Oklahoma, formerly of Alabama, and he makes them much more dangerous. For starters, he's a dual threat quarterback. He has run for at least 60 yards in each game. He even had over 100 yards against the New Orleans Saints in his league debut as a starter. We have not done well against mobile quarterbacks this year. Kyler Murray torched us. Lamar Jackson torched us. Russell Wilson didn't torch us, but he did have a season-long 38-yard run against us. We are 0-3 in those games, and that extra dimension at quarterback makes it much more difficult to get to them. We only have four sacks in those three games combined, and our strength, again, is the defensive line. Okay, it's Chase Young. It's Deron Payne. It's Jonathan Allen. It's Montez Sweat. Those guys, Ryan Kerrigan. These are the guys we need to have big games, and against mobile quarterbacks, they've not had that big an impact. So Jalen Hurts' presence makes it harder. Since Hurts has taken over at quarterback, the Eagles are fourth in rushing in the NFL, averaging over 170 yards per game on the ground. So the key is going to be stop the run and force Jalen Hurts to be a passer. Hurts certainly has potential, and he's shown it. There have been flashes from him, but he's not Kyler Murray. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Russell Wilson. His passer rating in his three games so far are 83.6 against the Saints, 102.3 against the Cardinals, and 70.7 against the Cowboys. And this is where our opportunity on defense lives. So to quickly recap, the keys on defense, stop the run and force Hurts to throw. This will also give our D-line an opportunity to feast on a bad O-line, which is exactly how we won the game in week one. What about on offense? This has been our Achilles heel recently, as you all know. Alex Smith did not practice yesterday, but he is practicing today, which is huge. That is a great sign. If he's unable to go, though, it would be Taylor Heineke. And I actually have a good amount of confidence in Heineke. He looked pretty good in that small sample size last week, but because it is a small sample size, I'd much rather go with Alex Smith. I trust Alex. But if we did go with Heineke, he seems to have a beautiful deep ball. He had that throw to Cam Sims, who did drop it. And he had another to Logan Thomas, who also dropped it. He could have had two or even three touchdowns in the game. And if it does end up being Taylor Heineke, also look for him to throw to Steven Sims Jr. early and often, who did get targeted quite a bit. Ultimately, though, I come right back around to it. We want Alex to go. He had us on a four-game winning streak before he got hurt, and there's just something about him that makes us win. And all we need is a win. So if Alex is healthy, we're going to go with him. But I do have confidence in Taylor in case he cannot. And there's also the possibility Alex rushes back, gets hurt, and then Heineke would have to finish the game. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we have Alex for all four quarters and he does start this game. Because there's huge, huge opportunity against this Eagles defense. But there's also the matter of Terry McLaurin being able to play. Will he play on Sunday? He didn't practice yesterday. I don't know his status today. I don't think he is. He's nursing a high ankle sprain, which is normally not something you just sit one game out for. That's really tough. 
The desperation of the moment may see him suit up, but we'll see. If he does play, he certainly will not be 100%. It's just a matter of how effective he would be. I hope he plays. I think at the very least he could be used as a decoy, but we'll see. The passing game is going to be the way to go in this one. The Eagles are allowing the third worst passer rating in the league in the past three weeks at 121.1. It is the fourth worst overall. The Eagles defense since Hurts took over, allowing over 30 points per game. There is opportunity here. We are averaging 17 points in that time span, but again, we didn't really have Alex Smith for any of it. It's mostly Dwayne Haskins. If we can get to 24 points... I'm confident in our defense and believe we can win this game. So that's the big question. Can we get to 24 points? Dallas got to 37. Arizona got to 33. New Orleans got to 21. It is trending up. These point totals are just getting higher and higher against this defense. I think we are not going to get to 24 points. I think we're going to get to 21. But I also think that's going to end up being enough. I have us winning a nail-biter, 21-20. to We are favored by one and a half points, so that means we do not cover, but we do win, and that's all that matters. We will be NFC East champions at the end of the day on Sunday, provided special teams. We do not blow it. I'm curious as to who you all want returning punts, because I am very nervous about Steven Sims Jr. going back out there. Maybe it's Isaiah Wright who came in relief for him last week, but... Last week scarred us all, and it changed the game when he muffed that punt. This game, if it is to be lost, must be because we were not good enough on offense or defense, not because of special teams. Steven Sims, if you are listening, please, please have a great game. Just fair cash the thing, and don't leave anything to chance. So once again, 21-20 Washington over Philadelphia is my prediction. We will not cover, but we will win and that's going to wrap up 2020 what a year for district divided thank you all so much for listening if you like the podcast please follow it on twitter and instagram at district divided there's also a facebook page and group called district divided please like and join respectively but most importantly congrats on making it through 2020 a very happy new year to all of you and Polly polo could not have done this without you Take us out of this absolutely ridiculous year. I spent my whole damn life in the city. 